Yeah, so when I think of food gentrification, I'm first thing I'm thinking of is Starbucks coming into the community or Chipotle coming into the community. You know, it's or Whole Foods. That's a perfect example. A lot of times when those natural businesses come into low-income communities, that's the first sign of gentrification. You know, if a Starbucks is opening in the middle of the hood, nine times out of ten, the hood is no longer going to be there. Those people are going to be pushed out. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. This is Teresa Gonzalez, your host. Today, my guest is Destiny De Jesus. Destiny De Jesus is a community organizer who currently resides in Las Vegas. She is a plant-based activist who has dedicated her brand, Eat Yo Destiny, to educating people on how to be vegan on a budget. As a queer woman of color, Destiny focuses on educating folks on intersectional veganism and shares her experience as a Latina who grew up in the Bronx, New York. She is a full-time social media manager and creates content for vegan businesses and brands. Follow her on her IG, EO Destiny. Welcome, Destiny. Thanks for joining the show today. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom podcast, Destiny. I'm so happy, as always, to have women of color. And I love having you as my guest because you are working with some very foundational Latina mujeres that are doing a good community service. And it's specifically around food, veganism, food deserts, food justice, and decolonizing our minds for our sacred and ancestral diets that we used to have. And I just think that's really amazing. And one of the quotes that I really want to talk about here is that it's all about reflecting on the systems around us that impact the choices that we make. And when we don't have any good choices of food, except going to the gas station or the liquor store, you know, how are we supposed to feed our families and be healthy when we don't know what we don't know. So you are a, a welcome guest here, and I am going to be talking more about this food justice in communities because it's so important. So welcome, and tell me a little bit about Veggie Mijas. Yes, thank you so much. I'm excited to be talking about this topic. I think a lot of times when I chat with people, they're super interested in like veganism, but I love to talk about food. Aside from veganism, I think mm -hmm. food and food justice is really important and, you know, dear to my heart. So with that being said, getting into like my history with Veggie Mijas, I went vegan three years ago and my first year of veganism, I felt like I didn't belong. I didn't see anybody that looked like me, um, anybody that talked like me that was vegan. So I looked up hashtags on Instagram and I ended up finding the collective called Veggie Mijas and turns out they were they were based out of New York City where I'm born and raised and now we're international we have a chapter mm. in India now oh, wow. so yeah awesome yes it's still wow, that's coming, great. but definitely reaching you know other countries so international collective made up of BIPOC who are just really passionate about food justice and food accessibility. We host workshops, educational content is posted on our Instagram page. We have, I think, 10 to 12 active chapters right now around the U.S. And we all host very different events in our cities based off mm -hmm. of food justice, food accessibility theme. So Veggie Mijas was started in New York as a collective and you found them and they found you. 
And what is your role there, Veggie Mijas? Because I know the director or the initial woman that started it, Amy Kichis, who started Veggie Mijas. And you guys all have a mission around food, right? And veganism. So I know you were talking a little bit about that, but as you said, there was nobody that looked like you or that wanted to talk about food justice. Mm -hmm. So when you came together, what was the initial mission that you were going to put out into community and with these chapters? I mean, other than to establish there's a community for Mm -hmm. this, can you give us the social justice aspect of that? Yeah. So for me personally, when I reached out, I had really no event planning experience or uh, organizing. When I was living in New York, I did do a lot of like protests and things like that, but I was more on the media side. So me taking the role of actually organizing events was scary at first, but I started the first chapter in Texas. So I was living in Dallas, Texas at the time. And I just started that chapter. And initially my goal was just to meet people, you know, like I wanted to focus on building community before doing the actual groundwork dealing with like food justice because I think it's really important to get to know the people who are standing next to you on the front lines you know you can't really organize and create change if you don't know who you're doing it with so I focused specifically for my chapter on doing community building events obviously all of them were like vegan friendly and focused on you know we had conversations about food justice stuff like that. But that was my role as an organizer in Dallas. I then turned into a coordinator where I am helping five different chapters host their events. So right now I'm working with Philadelphia, Orlando, Austin, Dallas, and Denver. So all of them are doing very different things. We have a chapter in Austin that is working on just making food accessible to the community. So they've created a garden, a, you know, a veggie mm. garden for the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's really important. I know Philadelphia yes. is working on doing a community refrigerator, you know, that's local in neighborhoods that actually need access to, to food, you know? So, wow, yeah, we're doing a bunch mm-hmm. of different things in different cities. I think every city, we all have one bigger picture, but every goal, every chapter has a different goal. You know, what mm-hmm. people need in Dallas, they might not really need in New York City and, you know, vice versa. So it's really amazing to work with different chapters and organizers around the U.S. and see what the need and demand is, you know, revolving around food justice in their community. So the, the other thing I want to bring up, these are all very good points, but I have an idea and I don't know if it's ever been thought of is while you're talking about community gardens, building those, I mean, that's big for low-income neighborhoods that don't have accessibility to fresh fruits and vegetables, but also like a community kitchen where people can cook their food. Because sometimes it's really about, you know, I don't have the knowledge to cook food or how to make a, a good meal. Or where can I meet other people? You know, I know that's part of the mission is that you guys bring people together to bring food and probably cook it in someone's home Mm pre-COVID or in an area pre-COVID. But I think community kitchens for people to have their families come and share that uh, food knowledge is awesome. And which is leading me into... Your Instagram account, which is amazing. It's called Eat Yo Destiny. That is Destiny's live, I want to call it your vegan like recipe cooking show 
or is it your shopping cooking show? It's everything. Oh my one. God. <laughs> Tell me about it because I love it. I really do. I don't even know half the stuff you buy. And when you say it's at Trader Joe's or grocery outlet or wherever, I'm like, I never see that. Where does she get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I initially started my Instagram page just to document my own journey and kind of hold myself accountable. I find when I post things publicly, I get shit done, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I initially started then, I started it way before I went vegan. But once I started documenting my vegan journey, you know, it kind of turned into something else. It turned into me learning with the community. You know, I had to teach myself how to food shop for vegan items. I had to teach myself how to cook because I had never really cooked before going vegan. I would cook to feed myself, but not really like sit down and feed everybody, you know, kind of cooking. So yeah, it just really blossomed into something that I I love now. I love sending people resources and just educating people mm-hmm. on easy recipes. Actually, like 10 minutes before we jumped on here, I went live and did a sushi bowl kind of like a deconstructed sushi bowl recipe and it took me like 10 minutes to make so I just really am passionate about teaching people that like being vegan is not it's really not that difficult when you have the resources I want to mention that because not everybody has the resources to be vegan and that's just a fact but you know if you do have the resources I like to show people that this is how you can make it happen you know and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to take hours for you to meal prep you know it's Mm -hmm. actually possible (laughs) yeah no I've seen you you've bought like canned goods you go to the Dollar Tree that sells some of the fruits and vegetables and canned, you know, beans and some things just so you can put it together. So folks that are on a really tight income that want to get healthy or just really start to cut the meat out of your diet, that is a, a resource they can go to on your page to see how you make those because I didn't know that there were things like that that you could buy. Like Mm. you said all the broccoli you could buy for like $2 (laughs) or a dollar at the Dollar Tree or tomatoes. And you said it doesn't have to be organic as long as you're kind of, you know, you can wash the food, but as long as you're just getting the vegetables into your body, Mm. because one of the things that comes to mind about food justice and veganism, when you put those two together, you don't think of really people of color. You think of another community, but it affects all of us in environmental justice because climate change, and I know there's some people out there that are like, yeah, okay, but it is a thing. Mm-hmm. It really is a thing. And when you talk about decolonializing your diet and really getting back to ancestral cooking or just getting back to just good basic foods, mm-hmm and not incorporating so much meat into your diet, you really are impacting the earth in a good way, right? Because when we were many years before any of this happened here in the United States, you know, we only took what we needed. That was our diet. We didn't take more than what we needed. And now, many centuries later, here we are Mm -hmm. trying to deconstruct our health to be healthier because of what's good or what we think is good. Right. So I love what you're doing on IG. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw out some recipes there that I was shocked that I didn't know you could do (laughs) because my husband's Cuban and you did a vegan picadillo. Yes. (laughs) And I said, 
What? <laughs> Anything that I ate prior to going vegan, I can still eat, you know? Like, I just have to figure out a way to substitute some of the ingredients. So for that one, I just used, like, a, a plant-based meat. And I found one that works for me. And it came out amazing, you know? I know. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. And I said, oh, my God. You know, and some people think, oh you know, I don't like some of this stuff. Just start simple. You don't have to go full on like, I still have an issue with vegan cheese. Yeah. I, I'm going to be real. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and I've been doing this for three years now. I have a different cheese for every dish. You know, vegan cheese was one of those journeys that it's a hit or a miss. And I've had some very nasty vegan cheese, but I found the ones that work for me now, you know, like, I know which ones I buy now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, Destiny, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show and the reason why we're talking about this, it's not to be silly or to say, oh, yeah, we all need to go vegan. And it's because part of the reason why I have these podcasts for people that are listening out in the community is because I want to, to put ideas into the minds that here we are. We're in an opportunity that we can change things within the community if we get together and build something that is going to be healthy and sustainable. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that support food justice, like Veggie Mijas does in your own way. But we need programs. We need grocery stores. We need, like I said, a community kitchen would just be amazing that would. in my mind, but I, I don't know how that would work. But these are ideas, even making your own food product for community, because there is a tofu place. I think it's Hodo Tofu that's over here in uh, Dogtown, Oakland. He makes all different types of plant-based meat products with tofu nice. and he just said because he saw nothing in the market that would fulfill his palate mm -hmm. so as latinos and you know all of us out there we have a diverse palate amongst all of us mm -hmm. right mexicanos dominicans cubans all of us together we all have our little special thing mm -hmm. and we don't have those products so you know if you want to try to make a product or you want to set up a community store, a kitchen, something. I want to be able to help with your voice and your show to leverage that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's really important that community stands up. And because if we don't create the space and if we don't create the products, it's just never going to happen. Right. So I definitely, I agree with you. I think that if somebody has an idea, like speak out, tell somebody, ask for help, ask for funding. There are so many vegan grants that I've just been learning about this year that will help people with like small projects. You know, I applied for one and I, I got accepted. And though it was like super <gasps> small, like it, it helped me be able to, uh, you know, host my monthly cooking demos. And, you know, so if you have an idea, I definitely want to stress that. There are so many resources out there and we need to take advantage because if we don't do it, it just won't happen. Right, exactly. And let me just put a seed in people's brains that still bugs me to this day is Chipotle. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to say it. The stock, it is astronomically high. It is run by white folks 
And I know all of y'all out there are like, oh my god, I love Chipotle. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, their bowls. Yeah, okay, it's good, but it's Latino food, and nobody Latino is at the top running that organization. They can do the best, and I know they're doing, you know, all that they are, giving people jobs and communities, and they are a franchise, and it is organic and all these things. But this could have been something in community, and I want to bring up. Another part of our communities not having food and social justice. When you have a lot of fast food in your community, and you don't have the chipotles right. or the organic. When I was talking about the community healthy kitchens, like that could be an idea. I want to talk about that. You know, the food deserts and the commercialization in. The low-income communities. Yeah, I think it's really important to talk about food deserts and food apartheid. And I think it's something that people, like, you know what it is when you're in the community and you don't have a supermarket within the three miles. But you, people don't really sit down and think about, like, why? why? Why is there no fresh food where I live, you know? And it takes something to kind of click off, like, in your brain or light bulbs to go off to realize, like, hey, this is strategic there's a reason why there's no Whole Foods in my in my neighborhood. And it's something that a lot of people just don't even realize, you know. When it comes to food apartheid, I think it's really important to talk about community, race, classism. Like, these are all things that are really important when thinking about, like, where food is in, in the community and where it's not. Right. It becomes systemic. Mm-hmm. It becomes systemic within the community, which leads to bad health. And it just fuels so many things. So how do you use your brand today as a leader in your industry? How do you stay competitive in the business market, especially online? It's more than just a social media post, and it's more than just a logo. In today's market, you need to be sustainable, relevant, and recognizable across all marketing channels. Go to latinasb2b.com and sign up for a newsletter to get tips on how to stay relevant and to build your brand in today's market or learn more about how this podcast can be a new communications channel for your business. Again, that's latinasb2b.marketing to learn more. Gracias. So one of the things that I like about Veggie Mijas is that you guys have been getting some media. You've been in the New York Times. You were back in 2019. And then you were also written up in Vogue magazine. You know, veganism is not just about the diet. And I think we've touched upon those points. But again, you know, for those of you out there who are listening and you don't know that food apartheid and the communities are really suffering with food deserts, like what does that mean? It means there's no access to fresh fruits and vegetables. There's no access to people getting their health that they need because it does contribute to health, right? So it's almost like an environmental racism, right? With the franchising of fast food in the community. So that's just kind of a a roundabout way of how do we fight this? There's a lot we can do. So why don't you tell us like some of the things that Veggie Mijas is doing to get folks active 
in those arenas with communities? How are you doing that? Yeah. So I know one of the things that Veggie Has is really good at is doing collaborations. So if there are other collectives or nonprofits or organizations, colleges that are doing something in the community or need assistance, we're definitely always down to collaborate with them. I can talk personally for like the chapters that I ran. So in Dallas, I made it a goal for me to work with at least six different collectives during the year so that I can build those relationships and work on the projects they're working on. So we organized with another collective that that focused on food, we'll focus on sustainability, environmental justice and things like that. And I think Benjamin has does a really good job at building those relationships because we all know like it takes community to build community and build a sustainable community. So that's something that I, I really love about Benjamin has. We don't just put on events like we make sure that the people who are in the community already doing the work are highlighted and we don't have a problem taking a step back and putting the the spotlight on the people who are actually doing the work in those specific communities so that's something i really enjoy about that i also wanted to mention kind of going back to the other topic about communities and like food apartheid i think talking about food sovereignty is important as Mm. well because Mm -hmm. it's you know, food sovereignty is when not only do you have access to food, but you have a choice, you know? So when we're talking about fast mm. food restaurants, community, believe it or not, is able to vote, you know, and make sure that McDonald's and liquor stores and and all these fast food places are not in their community, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we have the, mm-hmm. the ability to do that, and that's something that a lot of us are uneducated on. And I'm not even going to lie, personally, like, when I was living in the Bronx, I had no idea, like, who do I talk to? How do I do that? You know, like, what can I do as an, as an individual? And I felt like I could do nothing. But now I know that there are nonprofits out there helping people, you know, have a voice and stuff like that. Because a lot of times people have an idea of opening like a mom and pop shop, but not necessarily in a neighborhood that needs it or wants it. You know, it's nice to mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. a cupcake shop in the middle of Harlem, but like, does Harlem actually want a cupcake shop or do they want, you know, a, a fruit and veggie stand? You know, there's, right. we need, we need to, to have a choice and we need to be more vocal about the things that are coming in and out of our communities. I'm hundred <laughs> percent with that because, you know, like I see juice shops that are opening up, which are simple, right? Very simple. And they charge, you know, $10 over yes. here. And in the other area, you know, they're making it accessible. And that's the thing. It's like, how do you partner? And this is a question for somebody out there to maybe, you know, do a partnership with you or align with a nonprofit is how do you align to those types of shops like juice shops, all those organic things that could take an EBT card that could take that type of payment So if people want to go and spend their money there to get something healthy because it's not in their neighborhood, Mm -hmm. why can't they use their EBT card? Maybe they can right now, today, I don't know, but that would be something. I'm waiting for that partnership because, like you said, everybody should have the ability to have access to good food. And if they have the EBT cards and they're not being allowed to go into their shop to buy something like that mm-hmm. because they want to feel healthy. Why not? Why, why isn't that partnership there? Right. That's another topic that I really want to do more research on because I love food shopping. I love spending hours mm-hmm. in a supermarket. Just like looking at the... <laughs> 
I can go like take myself on a date and I'll go to like a supermarket that I've never been to. Like I love food. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Is that how you met your partner? You're like, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna be together, you gotta be down with this. And that's like two hours of grocery shopping. shopping. So I a lot so of I can I compare prices. <laughs> I go by myself because she already knows, but a lot of times I do make her film the grocery hauls with me. So, <laughs> but no, so what I wanted to mention is that when I, when I am in the supermarket, I notice a bunch of the different, you know, products that are on the shelves and I do see the ones that do take EBT and the ones that don't. And when you really look at it, like a lot of the items that you can pay using your EBT card are like not that great. And the one right next to it mm. is the one that a person should actually be buying. So that's another topic for like, another podcast or something but i know personally mm-hmm. in dallas and i think here in vegas now some of the farmers markets are taking ebt cards right so that's really important i think you know i love to see it i think there's like this huge stigma with ebt cards and you know growing up yeah. seeing my mom swipe one for majority of my life like i never really understood what it was to just swipe a credit card and not have to worry about you know what food you're buying like we always had to get what was accessible to us so right that's a topic i'm passionate about too (laughs) yeah i mean like who makes that decision right it's like why can't it and i know part of it is because they get a certain limit every month to spend and they do classify the products that they're able to buy with that so that might and it's all government related Mm -hmm. so this is again we're talking about your vote when you are thinking about the people that are in your local areas that are standing up for these issues or you have a question maybe you want to run yourself and say this is wrong this is not right we should have accessibility because it does go all the way to the top It does with all the ag people, everything. It is a huge, huge thing. So, and everybody's like, well, yeah, because it's rigged against us. Yes, you can say that, but you have a choice to change it. You have a choice to do what we did this past election, which is everybody came out and there was change. It starts with education, you know? That's why we right. need the community kitchens and that's why we need the the workshops in the community so that people can learn these things. So Absolutely. That's why I'm I'm saying like there are things that can be fixed so that we can be healthier in these communities and have more stores that have fresh fruits and vegetables because mm-hmm. we need those. But and then that people are like, "Well, I don't have the time." There's always an excuse. "I don't have time. I'm doing like a million things already that will not allow me to go to the store and purchase. You know, I don't have time." So it's like, "Okay, here's another idea, somebody. I'm just giving ideas and maybe people have thought of this. Just put the pen to paper and make it happen." Is go to the places that are getting you know, the fruits and vegetables and create community food boxes that are accessible by EBT and deliver those to people. They have uh, delivery systems already for like good egg and all these food that's pre-made or you get these boxes. I think there's a company called Imperfect Mm -hmm. Fruits and Vegetables where you pay a monthly fee. And this is crazy. The fruits and vegetables that are not aesthetically pleasing for purchasing but they're still good. Yep. So they put them uh, in these boxes and send them to people that can pay for this. Why not have the EBT cards for people and deliver that to folks so that they do have it if they don't have time? I think to really solidify everything, we're really going back to 
you know, this holistic meal. Yeah, definitely. No, I say this every single time somebody asks me, like, why am I still vegan? That's one of my reasons, you know, like I'm trying to decolonize my diet. There's no, I always say that our ancestors did not eat the way we're eating now. I don't know what the stat is, but basically like, I don't know, I'm going to say like 80% of the stuff in the supermarkets now, like didn't even exist like 50, 60 years ago. So that just shows Mm -hmm. you how much we have just mass produced these food-like products. And we've Mm -hmm. just, you know, decided that this is healthy and this is good for us. And it's just not, you know, it's it's not. Like the more we can eat whole foods, whole plant-based foods, the healthier we will be, the longer we will live, the prettier we'll... (laughs) I'm kidding. But you know, like it's I'm telling you, your skin will look amazing. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It will. Your skin will clear up. I know all of y'all out there like Doritos and Cheetos and you know, Takis and all that stuff. But they don't but love you. They don't love your body. It does not love you. <laughs> it does not love you back as much as like papayas and pineapple piñas. And I do love the fruit cups, you know, that you get and you put the tahine on them and, ooh, that's good. I do, you know, those things are good and fresh. I get that. Yeah. But, you know, the other stuff, which is really hard sometimes. Yeah. And no one's saying go hardcore and just cut it all out. Mm-hmm. Just you know, gradually, yeah, right? Take your um, time with things. I always tell people you essentially are going through a withdrawal. If you grew up eating a mm. standard American diet, which they call the sad diet, because it's just it's true. <laughs> it's sad. Wow, sad diet. Wow, standard American Wow. Wow. I learned something right now. <laughs> <laughs> If you're born eating that way, you know, however old you are, if you're 50 years old, 20 years old, 18 years old, like that's all those years that you kind of have to unlearn and go through withdrawal. That's why people have a really hard time getting rid of cheese because you're addicted to it. Your body is so used to it, you know, and that goes for everything like the chips that we're eating, the, you know, the junk food and things like that. So take it slow. You know, you don't want to put your body in the sugar. Yeah, I have a hard time getting rid of you know, meat a little bit. I mean, I don't eat it every day, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm trying to reduce a lot of meat consumption. And when I do really well with just vegetables, it does show. My skin looks good. My eczema goes away, but I drink a lot of water when I do that too. And it's like my eczema goes away Mm -hmm. because I used to have eczema really bad on my arms and above my eyes, which was really sucky because people are always looking at your face, but it's not there when I do do that. So there's a lot of impact there, you know, with the stress. Definitely. So, and I know stress eating is hard to let go of, especially from last year, but there's a lot of simple things you can do, Right. right, to go into this new year feeling healthy And whatever your perception is about vegan, we're telling you it's really decolonizing your diet to get back to a holistic way of eating. And Veggie Mijas is a great resource, which is why you're on this podcast. So with that, I want to just talk about this last topic. And then I want to talk about your website and the resources that are available because I think it's awesome. I don't know if we talked about this very much, but food gentrification. Yeah. So when I think of 
food gentrification, I'm first thing I'm thinking of is Starbucks coming into the community or Chipotle oh. coming into the community. You know, it's mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect example. A lot of times when those natural businesses come into low income communities, that's the first sign of gentrification. You know, if a Starbucks is opening in the middle of the hood, nine times out of 10, the hood is no longer going to be there. Those people are going to be pushed out because Starbucks doesn't want those customers you know starbucks wants the other people to start coming in and that's what happens a lot of the time so that's when i talk about food gentrification and when i hear about it that's essentially what i think about that's kind of happening in my new neighborhood now um they're popping up with a bunch of new places so it's i almost feel like it's a chicken or egg scenario no mm. pun intended there about my chickens but <laughs> it's almost like the people have to come first and then the stores come. Are you saying that the stores come first and then it's the people? I'm not sure because yeah. my neighborhood has changed a lot in the last few years and it's been really crazy and community has been pretty stable to some point, but all of the Bay Area has gone through a serious gentrification. But yeah. we don't have a Starbucks in our neighborhood and we don't have any of those things still. Right. I think it, it could happen both ways, right? People can hear about Oakland and be like, ooh, I want to live in Oakland. And, you know, because they hear about it and they, you know, or the same thing with the Bronx. Like I have so many friends who are now moving to the Bronx and I'm like, I, my, the first thing I wanted to do was get out, you know? So it's like the appeal of living in this like well-known city is very appealing for a lot of people. So I think that's what happens when, you know, when the people come first and then the communities starts to be gentrified. But I also think it could happen the other way when new establishments are being built in these communities that are already, say in Oakland, if like a Starbucks came, that's more reason why the wealthy, the white people are coming into those communities, right? Because you want to mm -hmm. live next to a Starbucks. You want to be able to go through to a drive through on, on a Tuesday afternoon, you know? So it kind of works both ways. Yeah, I'm just always fascinated by that. But there's much more to it. But the food gentrification is something I was really interested in knowing more about. And yeah, I think it's the Whole Foods, you know, it's like, oh, it was a food desert, but now there's a store that's opening and people can't afford it. Exactly. So yep. that's where we start to see the change and community really gets pushed out. So, right. I mean, it, it starts at all levels. That's why the engagement, the activism and the support into local, you know, city hall meetings. But if you go to your local city website and you start to look for things or ask, where can I get notifications in my neighborhood about new buildings that coming up or restaurants people are applying for? Because these are all public record things that you can actually access. And a lot of nonprofits are already on top of that. But that I think that's one way people can get involved. So yeah, yeah, to, and and just come together. I'm telling you, I think the community kitchen is the way to go. Uh, you know what, Destiny? I just want to make sure that we can continue to follow you. Can you give us your Instagram again, real quick? Yes, my Instagram is at eatyodestiny. E a t y o d e s t i n y. What vegan meals can I make that are related to my culture, and it's not really going to be bad? You know, there's very simple things, very simple things, right? Mm -hmm. Rice and beans, you know, my grandma's always said rice and beans will always get you through it. You can make tortillas without the lard, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You can use some olive oil. 
if you want to. So what are some other things? What are your favorite like Latino dishes or maybe you have some personal ones that you could just throw out a recipe that is really good or when can they catch you on your live IG? Yeah, so I I go live kind of randomly, so you really just have to follow me, but I just post- <laughs> You know, I need, to be, <laughs> I need to be more strategic with my lives, but I do, I post, <laughs> I post stories every single day. Like I post what I eat every single day on my Instagram, even when I'm on vacation. So <laughs> there's that, but yeah. I do host monthly cooking demos. So if you want to join that, uh, they're free so you can join. And I've kind of revamped them because before I was just cooking and meeting people, but I think it's really important to add that educational aspect. So having oh, a panel sure. discussion, but also teaching people how to make vegan pesto pasta. So that is a super easy recipe. It's the same, like every single recipe that I, I find, it's just something that I, you know, can Pinterest and I'll just type in pesto, how to make pesto. And then it says, you know, add cow's milk. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna add almond milk, add cheese. Okay, if I have a vegan cheese, I'll just swap it. If not, I'll use nutritional yeast. Like it's really all about learning how to substitute things. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people don't overthink it because if you're reading these very lengthy vegan recipes, it's just you're never going to want to do it because vegan recipes, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm looking up like vegan blogs, I'm like, who has black salt and purple this? And I'm like, I've never even heard of half of these items, you know? <laughs> so stick to the basics. That's where we get into the bougie vegan, yes. right? That's where we get into this, you know, I don't know, another level veganism. And, and I'm not there. <laughs> so if well, you want we don't ba- need to be there. Right. If you want some basic <laughs> meals, I think my favorite to kind of go back to that rice and beans, like you said, if I want to make it a little bit more hearty, maybe I'll add some tofu or mushrooms. I love mushrooms now. I used to hate them before I went vegan, but now I learned how to cook them. So I'll have, you know, rice and beans, uh, maybe side salad, some mushrooms. If I want to put it in a tortilla, like that, there's a taco right there. If I want to make a burrito, Mm -hmm. it's super easy, you know? Oh my God. Wait, (laughs) I'm sorry. You just, when you said tacos, I know everybody out there loves tacos, (laughs) right? It's like tacos, tacos, tacos. But you made this taco with a cabbage leaf and walnuts. Is that what I saw? Yeah. And it looked delicious. Tell me about that one. Yeah, that looked amazing. That was actually so sometimes I like to do raw vegan things. And that one I actually learned from one of the people that I follow on Instagram. And I told her, hey, we have to go live. You need to teach me this recipe. And so I got it from her. But she actually got it from another vegan. So these are just recipes that are like recycled. But essentially what we did was just cut a cabbage, a purple cabbage into like a little cup. And then we chopped up walnuts really tiny we mixed them with soy sauce cayenne pepper salt pepper nutritional yeast things like that just to give it some flavor and when you kind of let it sit it turns into almost like ground beef so we just you know added that put some lettuce you can put avocado tomato you can put guacamole on it if you want so yeah that was a super easy meal and i love i never ate walnuts before but now i eat walnut meat like all the time so that's a really wow. good recipe. Good for the summer, too, because you don't have to cook anything. Well, you have to saute them a little bit? The no, so you, no, you actually don't cook them at all. You just chop them up really small, and the marinade is what's going to kind of soften them oh, up. So you don't, have to, you don't oh. have to saute it. You can, if you're making like a, a meat sauce for like spaghetti and meat sauce or something like that, you can saute them. But 
They're really good raw. Wow. <laughs> I'm hungry now. <laughs> I know, anyway, I was totally amazed. I'm like, that looks so good. And it looks very gourmet. You know, you put some salsa on there with a couple of avocados and it looked Great. And we just have to follow you to when you just pop on there and say, hey, I'm doing my show right now. You know, it's like, I think you should have a YouTube channel. I have one. You do? Yeah, I do. Okay. It's not the best, but I feel like a lot of the stuff that I have on my YouTube page is very educational. It's just not the best quality, like recording and editing wise. (laughs) That's okay. You're just a free spirit when you talk on your (laughs) cooking show. I am. (laughs) I love it. You're like, I need this pineapple every day in my life, (laughs) you know, and you talk about your shopping hauls. And I love that part the best because, you know, for someone who has 30 bucks, you really tell them how to really stretch the dollar on $30 when making meals. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And so on the Veggie Mijas website, there's a resource page that you can go to, which is amazing. I just have to say the books that are on there are just spectacular. If you want to get into learning more about people of color being proactive in reclaiming the ancestral foods, how to eat better, farming in your community, Afro-veganism, decolonizing your diet, just go to VeggieMijas.com under the resources page and you'll see a lot of books there and information that will help you. Also, their chapters are located there. Also, they have some events and workshops that are coming up. So if you want to go there and see what's happening, maybe in a city that you're located in, like New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, here in Oakland, there's a lot of things that are going on. You just recently updated a lot of your uh, logos. So there's some things happening out there that I think people need to get on board and follow you ladies and stay informed and how they can get active. But I'm telling you, the Eat Your Destiny live IG shows are it. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I want to see them, but I'm not on IG all the time. But when you pop on there, I'm like, I need to watch this because I'm learning something about like soy riso and (laughs) like food and the walnut tacos. And oh my God, (laughs) I didn't know about lentil spaghetti. I mean, what is that? I mean, that was crazy. Anywho, well, thanks, Destiny. I really appreciate your time today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. We definitely should follow up with you again on a second podcast to see where you guys are in your journey with community. And hopefully that there will be some partnerships with the people that are working more into the community with these food sources and doing more activism with you because I think what you ladies are doing is is amazing and this is the platform to elevate that social justice food message. Yeah, so with regards to Veggie Mihads, if there is no chapter where you're at, if you're in a city in the U.S. and you would like to start a chapter, definitely reach out to our recruitment team. We do have a, a section on our website where you can email us Um, We're always looking to expand. We have a bunch of chapters in different states, but there are a lot of states that are in the Midwest specifically that are not occupied in, uh, you know, 
there's no Virginia chapter. So definitely get involved with that. Follow us for sure on Instagram. That's where we post all of our most recent events and then the follow up and stuff. And then as for me, if you are interested in, you know, cooking, definitely follow me on Instagram and join one of my monthly cooking demos. Oh, I'm going to subscribe now because I need to learn more about that because I'm, I'm nervous about cooking vegan stuff and you just make it look so easy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. And we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fun. Bye. Thank you, Destiny, for joining me today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. Such great information was shared today. If you'd like to follow Destiny again, she can be found on Instagram at Destiny. Follow her IG lives and her recipes. They're amazing. I love them. But for more information about the organization that she works in coordinating chapters and you'd like to learn how to be involved in decolonizing your diet and learning new recipes from Veggie Mijas, you can go to VeggieMijas.com. This podcast today was recorded on the Squadcast platform and mastering, mixing, and engineering was done by Robert Lopez of Mix by Crates. Also, we're going to be hosting some webinars and events here with latinasb2b.com so sign up and subscribe to our newsletter at latinasb2b.marketing to learn more gracias